Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. It's Friday, August 26th, and oh my God, we're mere hours away from the final weekend of preseason action. Thank God. As awesome as it is to see some of these preseason games, especially see some of the rookies, I'm ready to get close to the real thing here, and we are very, very close to the real thing. And joining me today to discuss a whole bunch of news, rumors, whispers, and analysis from a various collection of beat reporters that we found is the great, the one and only Frank Schwab. Frank, what's going on, buddy? How's it going? You know, I'm one of these guys who I, I get my football nerd card taken. I hate the preseason. Hate it. Hate everything about it. I'm not one of these, oh, it's really fun. No, mm-mm. just give me, if you could, if the NFL said tomorrow, hey, preseason's done for, we're never doing it again, I would be leading that ticker tape parade. So, yes, let's get done with this preseason. No more injuries. My God, no yeah. more injuries. And then let's get to the season. Well, unfortunately, we do have some injury news to discuss off the top of the show. Um, And and, like, honestly, our news section is going to bleed kind of right into the meat of the show, which is these beat reports. But to start off with the current news, um, unfortunately, Cowboys left tackle Tyron Smith suffered an avulsion fracture in his knee and will be out until at least December. Not great news, sort of kind of maybe decent news, though, is that Jerry Jones indicated Michael Gallup, who, of course, we know is going to miss week one, did avoid the reserve PUP list. Uh, so maybe he comes back a little early in the season. But man, Frank, the the Cowboys have an, have an awful lot of um, negativity surrounding them from a health perspective, right? I mean, and this Tyron Smith one really couldn't they really couldn't afford this one. It's rare where an offensive lineman kind of changes the whole outlook on a team, but you look at, he's one of the elite left tackles when he plays still, even I think he's age 32 now, one of the greats and to take him out of the lineup, I'm just assuming all season. Yeah. Maybe he goes yeah. back in December, but it's that that's, it's hard to say that, that that'll happen for sure. It changes the outlook on the Cowboys for me. Look, I had Cowboys way too high in my power rankings. Everybody told me that even Cowboys fans. Were like, yeah. How, do, how did you, how, how did you have them again? Adam I five, Adam five. Yeah. Whew, they were really good five. last yeah. year, Matt. They, yeah. were great. Yeah. they were a really, really good team last year. Anyway, you lose Lyle Collins. You lose uh, Connor Williams. You lose Tyron Smith. All of a sudden it's like, uh, all right, like th- this is critical mass at this point. They don't really have anybody to replace him. You know, Dwayne Brown just went off the market to the Jets. They kind of snuck in front of the line there when their <laughs> tackle McDy Becton went down. So I don't know who the Cowboys get to reasonably replace him. They'd already had kind of replacements along the line to replace the other two starters that left or were traded away or, or signed elsewhere this offseason. This is bad. This is a really, really bad injury for the Cowboys. If you were to ask, I mean, obviously like Dak would have been number one and probably like CeeDee Lamb number two. Micah Parsons maybe number three, but if you were like, who's the guy the Cowboys cannot afford to lose? Tyron Smith would have been way up there just because they've they lost so much else on the line. And unfortunately, he was a guy that you could probably count on to to miss some some time right. at least because he's missed a lot of time. And um, you mentioned that they lose Lyle Collins. They they released Lyle Collins, right? It wasn't as if he. I like, think they left traded him. him for nothing. Yeah, if I remember right, like that was one of those just take him off our hands for. 
not even that much sap. I, I didn't understand that move. They didn't get that much cap back. And again, it goes they're, back. They're to sitting Z. on a ton. They're sitting on a ton of cap room right now. I and know, it's like they, they they did um, like Lyle Collins. They let him go. Um, and Amari Cooper, they let go, which at the time yeah, it was like, OK, I totally understand it. But, but they did end up just giving him away for a fifth round pick. And then the receiver market, you know, proceeded to explode. So not a great offseason for the no, Dallas Cowboys. Not at all. And now, you know, I, I'm all. I'm full steam ahead on Go Eagles or Fly Eagles Fly for this NFC's title. I, I think that if you can still go get that, if the Cowboys are still favored in that market, go go take the Eagles because I think that I think Eagles are the best team. It's rare to it's it's hard for me to just be like, yeah, left tackle changes my mind that much, but this one is a really really bad injury for them. I don't know if I'm gonna adjust any fantasy rankings based on this. It might, might give me a little bit of pause. Like I have um, Javante Williams and Ezekiel Elliott in the same tier. Um, I, maybe I break ties now in favor of Javante yeah. Williams, just something like that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't I, bump I, Zeke down. You know, oh, Matt, the ahead. guy I looked at was Pollard. I mean, because yeah. Pollard's already a guy who, you know, everybody knows reasons we like him and all that kind of stuff. But now it's like, okay, that standalone value he has, that you chip away on that, all of a sudden, is he as valuable of a commodity? I, I'm still probably going to take that plunge a few times just because the upside is so great if Zeke goes down or anything. But, man, it, it's, yeah, I think everybody in the Cowboys offense takes a little bit of a step back. I mean, whether it's, like you said, it, just breaking ties, whether it's, okay, it, maybe I'll bump up Mike Evans ahead of CD or whatever it's going to be at the end of the day. Yeah, it, it does affect it because this offensive line might end up being probably bottom half of the league. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. you. know, Jerry Jones was on first take today and said, you know, quote, it's still a fact. We go as Zeke goes. And of course, you what know. What is he talking about? <laughs> like, I, just what? Like, in the year 2022. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what are we doing, Jerry? What are we I doing? I mean, you know, really, Frank, it's like, who gives a f what Jerry says? I know that I know he's like a very influential figure here, but the I think that. And obviously, that's what Twitter ran with, you know, because everybody wants to dunk on the Cowboys for the Zeke contract. Uh, admittedly, probably deserved. But I thought, actually thought the second part of the quote where he talked about, you know, the, he said, to quote, the guy they're going to use beside him, Tony Pollard, uh, you know, where they're going to try to figure out ways to make the defense stress about both these guys. I actually thought that was the more interesting part of the quote, because I think they're going to. I agree with you that it is maybe a little hesitant on the, like I had Pollard and Ramondre Stevenson back to back in rankings. Again, maybe break that tie in favor of Stevenson, but I do think that they have to get Pollard involved, like especially as an outlet receiver, if the line's not going to be as good, I think his pass catching value is what really has me attracted to Pollard right. this year. But tell me this. I mean, we talk about this so often, right? Oh, we're going to play both backs. This guy, like, when does it ever really happen? Like truly, like if you can give me a great example, I'm all ears because I always hear this in August, right? We're going to use yes. both backs. We're going to stress the defense. We're going to use the, which, which t NFL team has consistently used kind of a two back, a two running back. Look, it's, I can't think of any off the top of my head. Yeah. Gadget plays here and there. Okay. Right. That's great. That's not going to bump up Tony Pollard's snap count to 60%. I, I mean, that's getting him on the field once or twice a game, maybe extra role, but it's, I just don't think nobody pulls this off. Nobody actually follows through with this. And I doubt that the Cowboys will too. I would say the most recent example to me for the, for this type of thing is, is um, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon at the beginning of Austin Eckler's career, yeah. like before he fully, and that one holdout season, obviously Eckler was a, a smash pick or he went and even had some standalone value once Gordon got back. But you know, those guys um, from a yards per scrimmage perspective in 2018, 1,375 yards from scrimmage uh, and 14 total touchdowns for Melvin Gordon, 958 yards from scrimmage, six touchdowns for Austin Eckler. And I think that's you know pretty decent for for those two guys. And I think that's kind of the the role I have envisioned for Zeke and Pollard. Zeke being the Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler being the Tony Pollard. And that was, by the way, in 12 games for Melvin Gordon, 14 games for Austin Eckler. So, um yeah, I, I think that I think that's probably the I best. I just don't example. think they play together. I just don't. I just yeah. don't see them being on the I agree. same time. And because that would be great. Like if we could be like, wow, Tony Pollard's gonna be their slot, and it, it's gonna go Tolbert, Lamb, and then you know they'll work back Gallup when he gets. It just I, I don't know. I'll see it when I believe it. Yeah, that that rarely happens. You're right about that. Little concerning news out of Las Vegas. Raiders coach Josh McDaniels doesn't quote feel comfortable making a prediction on Darren Waller's hamstring status for Week One against the Chargers. I mean, I think this, the fact that Waller's basically done nothing during training camp nothing. has, yeah. has, has been kind of underreported. Frank, does this have you pa like make a pause about his, uh, his, you know, draft stock this year? 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm in a draft right now, slow draft, where Waller just kept dropping and dropping and dropping, and all of a sudden you got to make that decision. Like, uh, am I am I am I sure here? Because not just the added target competition with Devontae, and and they kind of unlocked something with Renfro last year, and Waller was banged up. Uh, you know, you're, you're now you're dealing with okay, this guy's probably not going to practice pretty much at all before week one. That's not easy. Uh, and I get Josh McDaniels, and, and smartly so. Often I get cynical about coaches being sly about injuries. But in this case, be as sly as you want. You know, you don't got to right. put a, together that injury report till Wednesday, uh, September 7th, or whenever that is. So you can keep the Chargers guessing a little bit. So maybe he's playing some games here, but it is troubling. It is absolutely troubling to me. I haven't really been in on that Kittle-Waller train that much. Just because yeah. if I don't get one of the top guys, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting a really long time. Maybe Hawkinson in the middle somewhere there. So I wasn't even really in on Waller yet, but the fact that this news is going to come out, people are going to start hearing it before their drafts. Waller's stock will drop and he'll be available a little bit later than you think he will. Now you got to make a decision and I'm not comfortable. I I, I guess at some point you force my hand, I got to take Waller, but I, I don't want to proactively draft him. I'll tell you that. Yeah, my tight end rankings, I had a first a first tier of Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, then a second tier of Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller. Sure. And, and I then, put Pitts, I put Pitts in the top tier. So there there there's a little bit of disconnect there. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't have the stones to do it just yet, but I, <laughs> I, I think I think you're probably right though. Like I, I don't mind taking maybe I just need to dissolve my second tier of tight ends and make those three the top and then bring Waller down to the tier with Kittle, Schultz, Goddard, Knox, Hawkinson. And I, I still think that Waller has the best path to a ceiling among all those guys. Like I don't, I don't want to take George Kittle over over yeah. Darren Waller. I don't. Kittle want to take hard Dalton to do the, We talked about doing the math on guys, and all of a sudden it's hard to do the math with the 49ers. It's like, well, if if Ayuk is going to be great, if Samuel's going to be great, if we don't think Trey Lance is going to throw the ball 35 times a game, 40 times a game, well, Somebody okay, where, where does Kittle's catches come from? I'm with you on that one. Yeah, but Dalton and I just talked about that in the last episode. It seems like that's that's yep. like the the tough thing to admit because Kittle's such a such a badass, but uh, a great player, I, great great player. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, ESPN's Rich Samini writes that Michael Carter is quote still RB one for the Jets. This hasn't this whole Michael Carter thing. I, I think he was underrated coming into the preseason. Um, I think he was like a really good pick, you know, after the top thirty running backs because. It, Michael Carter's a pretty good player, right? Like they obviously drafted Brees Hall. We expect, and I still think, by the way, Brees Hall finishes the the year with more carries, more touches, more yards than Michael Carter. But I think Carter has some, you know, not like you. If you have to start Michael Carter, your fantasy team's probably in a little bit of trouble, um, unless Brees Hall is injured. But I do think he has some standalone value as an, an emergency, um, to use the old football guy's term, what the heck flex. Um, I think he's got some value there. And also, obviously, he's got great contingency value if something ever happens to Brees Hall. But are you are have you moved off Brees Hall at all? Have you moved up Michael Carter in reaction to kind of I mean, he's been running as the as the legit RB1 in the preseason. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of off both of them, just bad offense. So I haven't. I don't think I have one Brees Hall share. I don't think I have even a Michael Carter share, even though he's almost free. Uh, he's he's sneaking up a little bit now, but I just don't see a path really for Michael Carter unless he gets hurt. And it's always one of these things too, where we talk about. And, and you're right. There's a contingency plan. If Brees Hall goes down, and Michael Carter's the guy. But let's say Brees Hall retired from football today. Where Michael Carter go in the draft? Like fourth round? Like I, he's still good question. Not a great. He's not a bell cow. He's not a great. He's good in a yeah. really bad offense with offensive line issues. I I just don't love. I I'd rather take guys. I'd rather take Khalil Her Herbert in that range because he doesn't have the standalone value that Carter does necessarily. But I think maybe Carter's standalone value is like eh. It's it's like you said. It's a it's a what the heck flex. It's not great. You're not going to feel comfortable starting him. You're hoping for an injury. And if I'm hoping for an injury anyway, I might as well go with a, a more higher upside guy. Like, I think anyway, Herbert has a higher upside than Carter, even though that's a bad offense, too. We'll talk about Khalil Herbert in our in our next section here. So I'll save, save my thoughts on that. But I have Brees Hall at running back 22 in that huge RB tier five of dead zone guys that I really don't want you. I honestly don't want you to draft running backs in this range anyways. And I think Michael Carter would move into... I think you're right. He'd probably be maybe a, a low four, high five round pick. I think that's always a good way. Whereas on the, we just talked about Tony Pollard. If Zeke went down, I think Pollard would be like a second round pick. And I'd be, I'd be and all probably gassed a, about probably a high second. Yeah. He'd yeah. be, you know, it'd be, be like Javante Williams. Get out of here. Tony Pollard's going to that spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that's I mean, a, he'd be, he'd be and, and the same with AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon's another yep. guy who's really, he's his price is getting out of control in some of the drafts I've had, but 
Yeah, if he goes down, it's not just, oh, I have a starting running back. Oh, it's, oh, I have a, a RB1 right now. So th- there's a big difference there. I was listening to the athletic football show yesterday while driving home. Um, I did I did a guest spot with the Around the NFL podcast for their fantasy extravaganza. Go check it out. Great show. Love it. Um, and I, I was driving home, listening to that that podcast, and, and Robert Mays said that they're quote they're going to push the limits of how much you can have two running backs on the field in the year 2022 and and i know we just talked about that but in terms of the green bay packers like aj dillon i think they're going to try to get on the field a lot with uh with aaron jones and i'm i'm super super high on on aaron jones uh as a first round pick this year like a a late first round pick really you Uh, you got him all the way late first Mm, i i think i think they're gonna above swift then you'd have to have him above yes i have him above deandre above mixon I got him above Joe Mixon, uh, and I, all right. I go back and forth at RB6 between him and Najee Harris all the time. I know okay. that is a hot take about Aaron Jones. No, but you got to be bold, man. I like it. I, li- I like the conviction. I think he can legitimately catch 80-plus passes this year, Aaron Jones. I think he's going to be schemed into a lot of um, – see, I think what gets lost about the Packers is, yeah, they, they kind of run – a, a, you know Shanahan McVay style offense there with with Matt LaFleur but they do a lot of um a lot of creative stuff they did a lot of creative stuff with Devontae Adams in terms of just getting him the ball right away on screens on like leak routes stuff like that I think they'll do a ton of that with Aaron Jones this year he's just like I guess the and this has been said before but the logic from the coaching staff is these two guys Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon are among our best 11 players on offense. And it would be kind of stupid to ma- minimize one or the other. And I, I know that sounds a little weird that I'm like, no, Dillon's going to have legit value, but Aaron Jones is still a first round pick. I just think Aaron Jones is going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's going to catch 80 plus balls. And um, if, he's the most trusted receiving asset, I think on the green Bay Packers roster. And by the way, they do still have the two time reigning MVP there. So I, I'm yeah, pretty right. high on Jones. anybody in that Aaron Rodgers. Up. That's why, Everybody, we talked about Lazard a little bit last time we got together, and it's like, I, and again, I I do believe you that that Aaron Jones probably leads them in receptions this year. But if, if anybody in that offense, it's going to get run. I mean, you got to take a look because it's Aaron Rodgers, and he's gonna he's gonna rise everybody to his level. Exactly, yeah, and and that's why we're we're still on the Romeo Dobbs excitement train. But uh, <laughs> all right, let's move into the meat of the show here. Speaking of the athletic, we're gonna go through two kind of. Uh, I, I think honestly, Frank, and we we've already started doing it here in the in the news section. We can just call this episode like the fantasy gossip episode uh, because I wanted to dig into these two articles: one from the Athletic, one from ESPN. The Athletics article was all thirty-two NFL teams' most impactful developments in terms of fantasy football from training camp. So I picked out a few that really stuck out to me. This first one. You know, we just talked about preseason. One of the stories of preseason has been uh, a rookie tight end out of Baltimore. Quote, one revelation this summer was rookie tight end Isaiah Likely, who quickly emerged as a popular target for Lamar Jackson. That was from Jeff Zrebeck, who covers the Ravens for The Athletic. Isaiah Likely is a guy who fell in the draft because he had bad workout measurables, but, you know, was a good college player. People liked him before the, the you know, I, I mean, he just cratered because of those athletic measurables. I mean, rookie tight ends, not usually a position you want to um, invest in, but likely he's looked, I mean, he's looked awesome in the preseason and Baltimore needs pass catching guys beyond Mark Andrews and, and Rashad Bateman. I, I honestly don't see it. I, I don't see a path of value. Yeah. I'd have to, I, you'd have to tell me where you're drafting him. Like uh, dynasty go nuts. Yeah. I think he's got a future ahead of him. Um, when, you know, whenever Mark Andrews kind of moves on or whatever. Yes. Okay. I get that. But you're talking about a second tight end, a rookie <laughs> tight end, and a low volume passing offense. Are you drafting him ahead of Robert Tanyan? Like, no, are you drafting no, him no. ahead of Irv Smith? Like, so we're talking about like what you're drafting him as the 24th tight end off the. Yeah, I mean, I have I, I'm I, tight end 28, right? Right. Like, if yeah. Mark Andrews gets gets hurt, you'll uh, yeah, you got a smash tight end one on your roster, and it's rare to say talk about like you know, kind of handcuffed tight ends. Like sure. we're going to, we're going to stash Isaiah likely and hope that he becomes like an injury, like God in the second half of the season could happen. I'm not going to waste a roster spot on it. Unless we're talking about really deep benches, best ball, something like that. I get it. I, I just don't think this is actionable. He's a good player. Probably going to help the Ravens in real life. Probably not going to help anybody in fantasy. 
The only thing I'd say is the one actionable takeaway I have from this, because I would agree with you. I mean, don't be out there drafting Isaiah Likely. You definitely keep his name on the radar, waiver yeah, wire speed dial or something yeah, like if that. If Mark Andrews goes down, you're fabbing a ton of money on him, yes. 100%, because tight end is just a really tough position. The one actionable thing I did come away from this is, like, if he's going to have a legit role, like, we probably already should have been in forget about it territory with like Devin Duvernay or James Prochet or any of these other oh, yeah. wide receivers. But like that is officially closed the door on giving a damn about any of those guys in fantasy in any way. But um, let's move on to a more fun one here. I'm not sure if we've talked about Isaiah McKenzie yet. You and I have Frank, but I have with a few of the other guys in the show. Isaiah McKenzie has outperformed Jamison Crowder and McKenzie has positioned himself to work with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis to begin the season. That comes from Joe Biscaglia who covers the bills for the athletic. I love, I love Isaiah McKenzie. I think he is legitimately, a, yes, legitimately a good player. I want to do an episode at some point with it, with this, with this podcast about like teammates who could out like hot takes teammates who could outscore their, their guys drafted ahead of them. It's a hot take. Cause Gabriel Davis is going to score a ton of touchdowns this year, I think. But I, I, I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, like he would be a prime candidate for that, uh, for that episode. I love taking him in the late rounds. I still think he's undervalued. Uh, it could be a PPR monster. They're going to want to pass the ball a ton. And I think about, when I think about McKenzie, I think about the run Beasley went on. I think it was 2019. You can go back and look. Where Beasley was, 20, was I think it was 2020. It was 2020. Was it 2020? Yeah. Yeah, that was when Peter back. King like voted him as an all-pro that year, right? Right. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh boy. Anyway, the Beasley was a, a dude. Like if you had you were starting Beasley every week, you were excited to start Cole Beasley. Why can't Isaiah McKenzie be that? Their their passing offense is better now. And I get it, there, there's more target competition because now Gabe Davis is in the mix, but when you look at they're go, they're going to pass a ton. He's he's a look at that. Pay everybody talks about the Patriots game, which is very valid. He dominated in that game. He's going to have games like that. He's more a guy I want in best ball because you don't have to make a decision. You don't have to. Okay, this is a McKenzie week. He's going to catch ten balls because I think he's going to he's going to fluctuate a lot based on that. But I can see exactly what you mean. We're talking about could he outscore Gabe Davis? Yeah, at the touchdown luck doesn't hit Gabe Davis if if he has a down year touchdown wise. I think I think Isaiah McKenzie has more receptions. Uh, I mean, why not? He's yeah. a slot guy. He's going to get the layup targets. He's 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 going to produce pretty well, and, and he's going to have some spike weeks. And I don't know that I necessarily want to predict those all the time, but he's a very good player. Great offense. The price tag is rising, but it's still not that bad. Yeah, Isaiah McKenzie's a guy everybody should have on their at least their bench. And heck, even if you're if you're Running, if you're in a deeper league, uh, running back heavy build, you, you you pay for a vanity tight end. He might even be a starter for you. Might be a flex. 107 targets, 82 catches, uh, 967 yards, and four touchdowns for Cole Beasley in 2020. He had three straight years of 100 plus targets. Cole Beasley, yeah, in, in that slot and he was. I mean, there, there was a, a few, he ended up. I don't remember where he like his his exact finish. His really big year, but he was a he was legitimately a every week starter. Yeah, I don't know that McKenzie's going to do that just because Gabe Davis, I think, will be better than like, um, you know, Manny Sanders was last year as the pure like outside number two receiver. And, you know, John Brown was banged up in 2020. That was a part of why Cole Beasley had that had that rise. So but still, it, you know, if case something goes wrong, it's always the a good guy are. to have. on. Yeah, the ceiling oh, yeah, is absolutely. And higher. that's the thing, too. We needed McKenzie from from what everybody what everybody's talked about with the snap counts and all that. If something happens to Davis or Diggs, McKenzie's in the two receiver set. Like exactly. he's not That's coming huge. off the field. He's going to be there. Basically he's locked in. He's locked in for playing time. Whether it's as a number three or if he has to move up as number two, if there's an injury ahead of him, and that's what elevated Cole Beasley was that he ended up because John Brown was hurt and they didn't trust Gabe Davis yet as a rookie. They Beasley was playing as the flanker in two receiver sets along with Stefan Diggs, so that makes a hundred percent sense there. Um, let's move on to the next one. We just talked. We talked about Khalil Herbert earlier. This one uh, comes in from Adam Johns. The issue for fantasy teams is that David Montgomery could be looking at similar stats to last year or potentially even worse. He's still the Bears top back, but it's been apparent throughout training camp that Khalil Herbert will be getting carries as well. Um, I've talked about this with, you know, noted Bears homer Andy Barons that uh, <laughs> like David Montgomery is just I don't he's like, I think one of the worst picks you can make in fantasy. Maybe that comes back to bite me, but I've got him. 
he's still like a, around a consensus top 20 back in some rankings and some ADP formats. And I've got him running by 27 and I've got Khalil Herbert as a guy that you should draft in the late rounds um, in case Montgomery gets hurt or in case just the just pendulum swings more towards Herbert. Right. And, and the thing is Montgomery's time with the bears coming to an end pretty soon. So maybe a new regime wants to kind of turn the page early and get Herbert's more. I don't believe this. I, I, I truly don't believe Herbert's going to get that many carries to make a difference. He's not going to be, he's not going to be one of those AJ Dillon, Tony Pollard types that has any standalone value without an injury. But if there is an injury or like you said, they just decide, Hey, let, let's let the young kid go nuts in the second half of the season. Cause you know, Montgomery's, you know, not going to be back next year or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. I, I, he's a guy, Khalil Herbert. I'm grabbing as many times as I can in, in drafts because his price tag is so low but the upside is there. He's a good player. We saw that last year. He, another guy. Look, I like, I like betting on good players. I've seen this guy play. I know he can play. He's a very good running back. And if he does get that shot, even in a bad offense, he's going to be a viable, uh, a viable starter for you. Yeah. I mean, he's good. Like you said, good player. I think he can, he runs hard. He's aggressive. I, I mean, the bears offense is probably going to stink. So we don't think two running backs are going to be relevant. It's going to be so bad. Um, Yeah. All right. This next one, maybe you completely shoot down because you really shot down that Isaiah likely one, but I'm interested to hear how you react to this one. Hayden Hurst has received plenty of targets since Joe Burrow's return. And he was apparently getting a bunch of targets from the backups. That was also in the article as well. And with defenses hyper-focused on Jamar Chase, T Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, the 2018 first round pick could be in for the most productive season of his career. That comes in from Jay Morrison of the athletic. Look, again, Frank, I'm only saying the Hayden Hurst thing because, like, when once you get to tight end 10 in your rankings, you know, you're into you're into murky territory. Yeah. And you're basically just looking for a guy who can, you know, maybe score you some cheap touchdowns. You can just completely shut me down on the on the Hayden Hurst thing. I'm totally open to that, by the way. Uh, where, any reaction to this? Yeah, I, I'm kind of, eh, okay. That, he might be a good, valuable, real-life player, but I don't think... Aside, he'll he might have a couple spike weeks. Was it Yuzuma last year? He had a couple yeah. really big weeks, and that'll happen. Just because, like you said, like like Jay was talking about in his report, you know, you're going to try to take take away all these receivers, and there's going to be some seams available for the tight ends. But uh, yeah, not a guy who I'm expecting a, a big year out of. I'd be shocked if he ended up being a reliable guy, just because. You got to do the math again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless Joe Burrow's throwing 70 times a game, like these guys are all going to eat. It's impossible. Yeah, I think he's just steps into CJ Uzama's role. And, yeah, that's fine. Like, He'll be a, a valuable real life guy. And, you know, potential have a, a, a DFS weeks, uh, yeah. you know, potential mm-hmm. stuff like that. He's just, I feel like he's completely off the radar. And, you know, it's just somebody to keep in the back of your mind for the waiver wire during the year. All right. This one's interesting because, you know, Colts head coach Frank Reich said it himself. If I was a fantasy owner, if I was going to be in a fantasy league, I think I'd pick Naheem this year. Obviously, Naheem Hines from James Boyd. You're already shaking your head, Frank. Um, uh, you know, there's been a lot of t- there's been a lot of talk in fantasy circles about Naheem Hines because you know Frank Reich has said this. He said, um, you know, you don't win the you know you don't win with the being a ground and pound team. Obviously, we expect Matt Ryan to elevate the quarterback position. Also, strangely enough, like Matt, Carson Wentz is. I don't know how you can be bad at throwing to running backs, but he's like the worst quarterback in the NFL at throwing to running backs. I think Matt Ryan will be better. So, Frank, if you want to shoot down this like weird Naheem Hines cult in fantasy football Twitter, go for it, buddy. Please, please. Because last year we did the same thing where it was like, well, Jonathan Taylor, he can't catch a ball. He went to Wisconsin. You know, hey, I got to get in my Wisconsin love here. Jonathan, when it comes down to it, when it's you are in the game, it's 20 to 17 against the Tennessee Titans. You ain't putting Naheem Hines on the field. You have the best running back in football or one of the top five, whatever. You're giving the ball to Jonathan Taylor. We went through this last year. It forced me to push Taylor down too far in my rankings until late in the draft season. I me started too. getting a little bit of him, and yeah. I, I, I was very happy with that. But there's some drafts I go back and look, and I say, I took that guy over Jonathan Taylor. Why? And I did it because all this nonsense about Naheem Hines. Like, Naheem Hines is going to have a role. He's going to be fine. I, I do not discount Jonathan Taylor in the slightest because of this. And maybe I'll, I'll just be dumb at the end of the day. Maybe I'm being a Wisconsin homer. I don't know. But to me, Jonathan Taylor is still easily number one for me overall. And I don't buy the Naheem Hines stuff. He'll have some. He'll, he'll play some. He'll he'll get his. But no running back is on the field 100% of the time. It's not Walter Payton 1984 anymore. Like this is guys shuttle in and out. Taylor's going to get a ton of snaps. He'll even get catches because he's proven he can catch the ball. Jonathan Taylor's just fine. Naheem Hines is. No, not not doing it. Not not falling for this uh, trick again. 
let me tell you what, most coaches probably don't know how fantasy scoring works. Um, so, <laughs> you know, like yeah, when I'm a coach sure Frank Reich isn't like grinding it out. Yeah, he's probably not gonna listen to this podcast. But if you do, Frank, hey, yeah. great comeback against the Oilers. Yeah. Yeah, Appreciate I mean, that. shout out Frank, of course. Both Franks, Frank Schwab and Frank Reich. We love we love the Franks here. Um, but I mean, he says if I was going to be in a fantasy league, that leads me to think Frank Reich does not play fantasy football, does not know what it what it takes for Naheem Hines to and I think this is the thing too. I've been on the show the last couple episodes talking about Alec Pierce potentially, you know, making an impact as a rookie. Paris Campbell, for now, is healthy. I like uh, you know, VCU's finest Moali Cox as a like sleeper tight end. Probably more than I like Hayden Hurst. Definitely more than I like Hayden Hurst and Isaiah Likely. If all that's going to happen, Naheem Hines is not catching like he would probably have to catch 70 plus passes to be a relevant guy in fantasy. And I agree with you. That's not happening because Jonathan Taylor still last year. He didn't, you know, wasn't a huge receiver or anything, but he was much better than people expected. And he still ran a lot of routes. He just doesn't get a lot of targets. Cause like I said, Carson Wentz does not check down to the, to the running back. Yeah. It's so (laughs) bizarre, man. Take JT number one. Let's, let's stop the nonsense. Like this is, he is, he like PNL was uh, on Twitter talking about this. Like, there's something to be said. You don't need to hit a, a 500 foot grand slam. Maybe 400 foot grand slam is just fine. That's what Jonathan Taylor is. Don't get cute with your first pick. Take JT. I, I'm not moving off of him at all for any reason. Honestly, I'm a, I'm I'm in agreement with you there. I, uh, I I'm still very much team Jonathan Taylor first overall. Pretty much regardless of format. Maybe in PPR I think about one of those receivers, but still I I'm still Jonathan. Yeah, Taylor I mean if you're overall. a receiver, if you're a zero running back guy, and I, I have issues with zero running back at times. If you look, if you go Cooper Cup number one, all right, I guess I get it, but don't I, the the McCaffrey stuff just. I understand it in theory, but we can't act like the guy didn't miss 23 of 33 games the last two years. I get, I get that there was no lingering injury. It's not an ACL, it's not an Achilles, whatever. But Christian McCaffrey did miss these games, and he had an unbelievable workload the years before that. Like this is this did happen. Jonathan Taylor's never missed a practice going all the way back to high school. Like if he gets hurt, he just gets hurt. Like that that can happen. But yeah, anyone can get hurt. Yeah, don't don't. I I I get again. I get the theory behind McCaffrey over Taylor. Uh, not in practice for me. I'm I'm JT all day. Yeah, I I totally get it. And it's like I said on the episode with Evan Porras a couple of episodes ago, I understand the reality that McCaffrey you know hasn't had an injury that like we think is oh this is gonna he's got to come back from this whatever. But if I I do understand the emotional argument of if you take Chris McCaffrey first overall over Jonathan Taylor and Chris McCaffrey gets hurt, you're gonna feel like such a dumbass. And I don't really want I don't really want I don't want to feel that way. I don't think way. there's any at in converse. Let's say is Christian McCaffrey ceiling. Five percent higher than Jonathan Taylor? Oh, sure, I, of course his, his ceiling is higher, yeah. but it's not like, oh my God, he scored ten more points per game than Jonathan Taylor. It's a, it's a few, and for me the risk isn't worth it. I'll just take, I'll take ninety five percent of of Christian McCaffrey's ceiling with Jonathan Taylor, knowing that his health record is so so much better. All right, Frank and I are going to keep chipping away at some of these beat writer whispers uh, when we come back right after this break. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Frank, we're back. Um, I want to get hit this one here that because this is a piece of news that I feel like we actually didn't react to. This comes in from Vic Tafor, who covers the Raiders for the Athletic. We expected it to be a committee approach at running back, and Josh Jacobs playing the first two drives in the preseason game kind of confirms that. Rookie Zamir White is on the rise, while Amir Abdullah is beating out Kenyon Drake for third down touches. Obviously, since this was published, Drake was released, which is what Vic said the Raiders were going to do. Um, I'm kind of interested to see where Kenyon Drake lands, because it was just such a weird signing by the John Gruden Mike Mayock. <laughs> so weird. Um, 
I kind of think that Amir Abdullah is going to have some decent, like, desperation PPR value this year because uh, I think he he flashed a little bit as a pass catcher for the Panthers last year. just, like, wasn't obviously the situation to flash in. And maybe I'm only saying that because I have one dynasty league where I have Christian McCaffrey was, like, my only running back, and I he got injured right away. I also had Gus Edwards got hurt, too. I was in dire straits, and I had to cup start Amir Abdullah in this, like, full PPR format in a couple. And, hey, guess who's still – Guess who still almost made it to the championship game? That was me. So, uh, yeah, I think that when you look at just this Raiders backfield, how are you handling these guys? Because, I mean, I don't really want to draft Josh Jacobs, and I'm at least interested in Zamir White as a late-round flyer. Yeah, Jacobs is a stay away for me. I, I got a little bit of pushback when I said on Twitter that I think Josh Jacobs just isn't special, and I don't think he is. And I know the tape guys love him. Andy Barron's, that's his favorite player in the NFL. I know, I know. And I, I respect the guys who say that, but – it's just, he's just, he's a, he's a starting NFL running back. I, I don't think he's like caught him. He's trash, but the Raiders already declined his option. And I, you know, I, I just, he's not a guy I draft. I got other guys. I'm taking receivers in that part of the draft. So I'm totally out to Josh Jacobs. Again, if Zamir White is available late, yeah, I'll take a shot. Why not? If it's a deep bench, but mostly just Raiders, I'm, I'm just staying away. I think they're going to pass a ton. I think that they're going to have the Patriots-esque games at running back where you're just like we don't know who it's going to be from week to week because that's josh mcdaniel's way i don't think the offensive line is really good enough to to support a good running back totally off jacobs if he ends up going having a 1500 year oh well i'll take a loss on that yeah i, d- I don't see it happening not if uh no. white's involved not if amir abdul is involved as a uh pass catcher it just it just is he's classic running back dead zone man just like take a receipt wherever josh jacobs is going take a yeah. receiver take yeah, take a take a tight end i don't even care if it is darren waller just go for it all right last one here from this athletic piece Quote, there are always questions about an acclimation period when a receiver changes teams, and there should be no such concerns with a- with Brown in Philadelphia, A.J. Brown, of course. The Eagles are committed to manufacturing touches for Brown, especially those that give him the ball in the open field where Brown can run after the catch. This comes in from Zach Berman. Um, Frank, I, I, I know we talk about making the math work, and it is a little tough to make the math work in Philadelphia, but the more I think about A.J. Brown and the constant drumbeat of, you know, they have been hammering him passes in training camp. Like Jalen Hurts is basically only throwing to AJ Brown. And like, I, you can't just, if you're a opponent that's going, cause I think we get, we get carried away with like double coverage and double teams and stuff like that. It just doesn't happen as often. Doesn't as happen as often as you think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you, I still think that teams that give you a lot to think about that can be advantageous for a pass catcher in, in fantasy, because like, you walk into playing the Eagles, man, and just think about this for a second. You have to defend a mobile quarterback. That already means you you've got to have you know you've got to have eyes on Jalen Hurts at all times. We know their run game can be dangerous, even though we don't really want to draft any of these guys in fantasy. And like AJ Brown is a freaking monster. He'll just destroy you if you let him. But like Devontae Smith is really good. Dallas Goddard is is re- and especially Smith is. I think we've kind of. He, he's he, I know I don't really want to draft him in fantasy either just because the math doesn't really work, but he's a great player um, and Dallas Goddard is good. Uh, Frank, where is AJ Brown ranked for you and, and where would you feel comfortable taking him or are you passing this year? I I have taken him a little bit in the third round when he when he's at the right price point and James Conner is not there because James Conner is my third round guy just about every single. Oh, time. I love I, I love running that back, running back. So I've got a little bit of AJ Brown. I think it's more this all this drumbeat about AJ Brown. It's leading me more to downgrade Devontae Smith. A yeah, little bit Dallas Goddard. I agree. Just because, again, you got to make the math work. They're not going to have Jalen Hurts throwing 40 times a game. It's just, that's not, I, I don't think that that's how they see themselves as an offense. Even if they want to play that way, they know who Jalen Hurts is. They know what he does well. And it's not, he's not Patrick Holmes. <laughs> he ain't dropping back that many times. So I think A.J. Brown is just fine. If you want to jump him up into the late second, I even, I could see it. I, I understand it. We've been waiting for this. How many years in Tennessee were we saying, oh my goodness, if you could just get A.J. Brown 150 targets, he's going to go nuts. He's going to get, he might get 150 targets this year. But I I, I I like Brown. I think he's good. I haven't moved him much, but I will move Smith. I, I probably got it a little bit too, just because I don't think the volume's going to be there for him. Let me tell you what, Frank, if A.J. Brown gets 150 targets, like he's going to be a top five fantasy receiver because I think I he's, legitimately, he might, right? he's like, legitimately that good. I, I mean, he, they pay it like, they gave that guy a hundred million dollars. Like they, they love him. Like you don't just do that. You don't, 
you got to follow the money in the NFL and and also the draft capital. You you send a first round pick, you instantly give a guy a hundred million. What more do you need to know? Like they they love AJ Brown. He's he's going to be their alpha. There's no doubt about that. It's just how high can he go? Does he stay healthy? That's always been an yeah, issue. That's with him. Always can Jalen Hurts consistently get him the ball? That's a question too. So th- there's some questions about AJ Brown. I, but you're right. Top five ceiling, absolutely. Okay, I'm gonna do a little this or that with you on on AJ Brown just because I want to. I'm I've been flipping him around in my rankings a lot, and I kind of want to figure this out. So let me tell you. Let me tell me if you agree that every one of these guys should be ahead of AJ Brown. Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill. All these guys ahead of AJ Brown. I don't know about Hill. I don't know. Okay. About Hill. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Fair Hill's enough. my guy. Hill, that's where I, I because I do yes, Evans, yes, because better quarterback. When I get to Hill, I'm like, mmm, mm. Hill or AJ Brown. That that that'd be a toss-up for me. I might just default to Hill. But I haven't proactively drafted Hill once, uh, and me I don't neither, think yeah. I will just because yeah. Tua. I, I, I'm sorry, like Tua's gonna have to prove it to me. So I think that's my cutoff. It's the the Tyreek Hill line, like the Mendoza line. Like well, that's ooh. like that's the end of my wide receiver tier two, tier three for me. I have these guys ahead of AJ Brown, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Debo Samuel, DJ Moore, AJ Brown. Would you have Brown ahead of all those guys? Pretty close, yeah. I, I think it hurts me to say, but probably had a Debo just because the, the regression. I know. Yeah. From right. Him. Pittman's an interesting case. Pittman's a really interesting case, but I probably have AJ Brown ahead of him too. I love Pittman. I think Pittman's a good player, but I think he's been a helium guy and he's just getting away from me. He's one of those guys who I guess they're going into drafts. Like I like Michael Pittman and I'm never going to draft him because he's somebody never else always point. likes him more. Yeah. yeah. Somebody else always likes him a little bit more than I do, or I'm drafting another position or something like that. So I might have AJ, yeah, I'd probably have AJ Brown at the top of that tier. I, I really would. I, I mean, cause just we've seen the talent, the upsides there, the opportunity's probably going to be there. Yeah, there. Yes, yeah, sometimes we get to a situation where team receivers changing teams doesn't work as great as we think it. And maybe that happens here, but maybe Stephon Diggs. Like it, it, they want this to happen. They want to look smart. They probably see AJ Brown as the key to unlocking a different offense for them. They do. I don't think Sirianni wants to play how they played in the second half last year. It's very yeah, smart. Either. It was very. Well, they didn't play that way at all in the first half, so that's not at that's all. The they were forcing there. passes. I mean, they had a game. If I'm not mistaken, it was like the first end of the first half. They had like two rushes or something like that. It was something crazy. Yes. Yeah, you're and right. And I can't remember which game it was. I had to go back and look. But they, yes, they were very. And then Nick Sirianni said, "We can't win this way. We're not built." To, and I give him all the respect in the world for changing. But I think if you sat Nick Sirianni down and say, "How do you want to play football?" He would not want to play. Uh, he would not want to have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. He wants to pass it more. And AJ Brown's a guy to unlock that. So everything lines up for AJ Brown just fine for me. And I, I totally fine having him against uh, over pretty much everybody you named in your in your wide receiver two tier. Yeah, and when you look at um, when you look at Jalen Hurts, like his yards per attempt or adjusted yards per attempt has gone up from his time at Alabama to his time at Oklahoma. His first year in his, the NFL, and then his second year in the NFL, a jump from those ju- from all of those. So, like he's gotten better every single year. And let me tell you what, you know what'll make you look better, Frank, is taking Jalen Rager's targets and giving them to AJ Brown. So that, that'll make <laughs> Think you that's look an upgrade. Little, really, that'll make yeah, you look a little better. better. All right, that's all from that athletic piece. A couple of ones I want to hit on from ESPN. One I'm going to use to lead into our Rams preview. Um, but when we also talk, we talked about the Green Bay Packers one, Rob, Rob Domofsky wrote that the team expects both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to um, join the 50-catch club. So that's interesting. We already talked about those guys. The only one I want to hit on here um, – before we jump to our team previews, the Broncos running back situation will be convoluted at least in some way for as long as both Williams and Gordon are healthy. Yes, Williams is expected to be the team's primary runner, but whether that's 20 more carries than Gordon this year or 100 more carries is unknown at the moment. And anyone who says it is hasn't been to practice. That's from Jeff Legwald, who's covered the team forever. Man, where... (laughs) I, I think that Melvin Gordon's a fine pick where he's going, but the key one, the key line in this report to me, Frank, is that whether it's 20 more carries or a hundred more carries is unknown at the moment, because I kind of think how this, you tell me if I'm wrong. I kind of think how this rotation goes is all up to Javante Williams. Like if Javante Williams comes in there and balls out, like in the first three weeks, I think they just kind of ride him. And then he's, he's going to end up being an RB one in fantasy, even though Gordon will still mix in because Gordon's a good player. But if, Javante Williams doesn't get off to a great start. I think that opens the door for Melvin Gordon to be more involved going forward. Yeah. And I've kind of pendulum swung on Javante where I was saying, I don't know. He might just get Melvin Gordon was a good player last year. There's no doubt. Like you look at the metrics and Melvin Gordon was, 
you know, he was 98% of what Javante Williams was really like, I, he was yeah. really good last year. It's not like he's just a guy, like he's not Zeke who was just dragging his leg along. Like he, like Melvin Gordon was a good player last year. So, but as it's gone on and I hate to, to take one piece of information and overreact to it, but Melvin Gordon standing up at the podium and saying, well, they want, they want Javante to be the guy and I'm just going to keep trying to get, get on the field. Like he, you don't say that as a veteran. I, what reason would you have to say that unless it's true? I, I think Javante, look, Javante, where he's going, usually kind of mid to late second. I even saw him slip to a third in one of the drafts I'm having now. Even if he's just what we think he probably will be in this rotation, I think that's just fine value. I think he's got a lot of touchdown upside. He can yeah. push the ball. He's good all around back with the upside of, hey, if he does take over this backfield and it's 75%, mm, all of a sudden you're he's a first-round pick. Dalton made the point on the last podcast that um, if you're, say, your employer, we don't wish this on you, Frank, and we don't wish this on it, on anyone, but uh, say your employer cut your salary. Well, if you listen, actually, maybe I do wish this on you. And Dalton said, if your if your employer cut your salary from eight million to two million, wouldn't you expect a, a role decrease? I think, Frank, we'd both probably take two million. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I guess Char Charles, our, our coworker Charles Robinson, couldn't take that kind of pay cut. No, yeah, well, he, yeah, he, he's in that eight million club for sure, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Um, so that's one interesting point I agree about the Melvin Gordon part of this from Dalton. And just to my point about, Hey, if they get off, if Javante gets off to a hot start, their first two games, the Broncos Seahawks mm -hmm. Texans, mm -hmm. like he could smash in those By two way, games yeah, and pick, pick that Broncos defense. If you stream in those first two weeks, Oof. right? A hundred percent. Those are two juicy matches. Get the 49ers in week three. That's a nasty defense, but Javante could get off to yeah, a hot start and them. then, and then we're not really having this. And then he's this year's, he's this year's Jonathan Taylor, where we, we just said, yep. we go, we get to, there's a, there's a realistic scenario where we get to October. And I hate that I'm talking myself into this because I remember sitting down with Liz earlier this off season and, and saying, I'm not going to do this again. I'm not going to, if guys are splitting, it's so hard. But as I sit here, there is a realistic scenario where we're sitting here in October saying, why were we downgrading Javante Williams? Like it, all the signs were there that he was just going to be the guy and take over this backfield and have an unbelievable year. Yeah, I really want. Oh, you're making me really want to revisit my running back rankings now too. It's like trying. It's like I'm, I'm scratching off answers right before we got to turn in the test here. Um, all right, let's move into our team previews, and I'm going to use one of these one of these nugs from the ESPN article to transition us into the Rams. Sarah Barshop says, "I don't think it's a given that Cam Akers will start the season as the Rams' true RB one." Both coach Sean McVay and offensive coordinator Liam Cohen have said the team plans to use both Akers and Henderson regularly. We'll, we'll talk full Rams here, but let's start with um, with Cam Akers. Frank, I think Cam Akers is – I think he's firmly in the running back dead zone. I can 100% see – I, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm drafting and ranking as if the negative range of outcomes here is going to be the reality that there'll be a split between Henderson and Acres. We have questions about Acres as a, a, you know, Edwin Porras brought this up on our podcast about his, you know, just long-term viability coming back from the Achilles, all that stuff wasn't effective last year when we saw him a lot of questions about Acres individually. And there's these committee concerns, but at the same time, he is a running back on the Rams offense. Like he could make me look stupid for, for thinking this, but I'm very curious where you're at with Cam Akers as all these reports have circled. It's still a total stay away for me. And I, you know, like we we talked about last time, I'm a, I'm willing to take the L on guys. Uh, you got to take a stance. You, can, you can't draft everybody. You can't like everybody. You have to pick lanes. And with my lane is the Achilles history is so strong. Look, I'm rooting for Cam Akers. I hope he comes back. I, I great conversation with the Super Bowl road story about his comeback, all that kind of stuff. A good player, fun to watch that rookie year, but the Achilles history is so strong. I just can't do it where he's going. I just, I can't get into it. I know the Rams, and, and I know they say they want to use both, and that might be true, but they usually like one guy. Like they're, they, McVay is pretty much a, I like a bell cow workhorse guy. And I think if Akers was healthy and, and fully back to what he was his rookie year, that would be his role. And we wouldn't see much of Daryl Henderson, but I just don't, I can't get there with Akers. And so I have taken Daryl Henderson late uh, just because. What if Akers gets hurt? I think Daryl Henderson would have a great role as long as he's healthy. I mean, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Either, no, yeah, he's always Akers is a Akers is a guy will own zero percent of this year. I just I, I can't get there with him. And I, look, is one of those guys. If he if he's healthy, rushes for you know 1,300 yards is the bell cow there. Okay, I, I just take the loss, and he's the first guy ever to have that kind of return from Achilles uh, surgery. Yeah, and I think you're you're right to say that Sean McVay like likes to have one back. 
But ever since Todd Gurley, where he was the one back, uh, it's kind of been like, um, and even when Gurley started to decline, it was, you know, CJ Anderson, you know, kind of getting run there as the feature guy for a little bit. Oh man. Remember CJ Anderson? What a, what a, what a, what a player. <laughs> um, like it's sort of been one guy within chapters of a season. Like, and I feel like the last few years, it's like Akers, even when he's been great, he had like a chapter at the end of his rookie season where Henderson was kind of the guy to start. And then last year, you know, Akers gets hurt. Henderson's the guy. But then, you know, he wasn't exclusively the guy because he got hurt. And then, you know, Akers. And so maybe it's all just an injury creation. But I also think that sometimes you can have a committee within games and sometimes you can have a committee within seasons. And I feel like the Rams are at a point now where they're having a committee within the season, which is truly actually worse for fantasy. Um, I think it, yes, like I over the course of the season, it can be very problematic. Yeah, absolutely. You don't know when to stay away, but yeah, that's where I'm at with the, I just, again, acres, I, I am rooting for him. He seems like a good dude and really fun player, but I they just where he's going in drafts is total dead zone to me. Yeah. Uh, just going from 30th to 35th overall, um, which is the range where acres is. 30th, T. Higgins, much rather have uh, him. 31st, James Conner, you just mentioned him, would much rather have him. I've got him like a couple of tiers ahead of Cam Akers. 33rd, Kyle Pitts, would much rather have him. Even Patrick Mahomes, like I think I'd probably rather take him. And Michael Pittman wow. at 35th overall, 100%. What about, what about ETN? We go ETN or Akers? I, and again, ETN, by the way, is 44th overall in consensus ADP, whereas Akers is 32nd. I'd rather have Travis ETN. I would, I would too. Yep, that's why I brought him up, because he's a guy who I think, I, I don't think his injury is one of those that lingers for years and years and years. I hope not anyway. And he's getting all the run in Jacksonville. He's got the pass catching. And I, and I the guy he's ADM. sharing the backfield with has the Achilles injury that we're talking yes. about with Cam Akers and James yep. Robinson. And there's Absolutely. a difference between you've come back to play and you've come back effectively, I think, is, the, is the problem. Totally yeah. correct. All right. So other uh, other Rams topics here. Let's, let's stick on the receivers. Um, do you have Cup or Justin Jefferson first overall among receivers? Cup, but I go back and forth. I mean, I did go. look, I, I wrote about player. I've been writing about player props on Yahoo and I got the cup and you looked at the, the total for him and it's about 1450, I think is his total, which seems ridiculous until you realize that's two thirds of what he did last year. He could literally cut off one third of his production from last year <laughs> and have 1450 yards. Like, yeah. and you know, I, I hate, I've railed about this. And I'm going to continue to rail about it. People who just say regression and drop the mic, you're doing it wrong. Cooper Cup is going to regress. Yes, he is not going to have 2,250 yards counting playoffs again. That's not going to happen in our lifetimes probably again. But what does he regress to? He had 1,947, I believe, yards last year. Does that regress to 1,600? What, you're you're telling me that a 1,600-yard receiver is no good? Like, really? You're going to pass on that? Uh, so if you're just like down on Cup for any reason at all by saying regression, you're just doing this wrong. I mean, there's a few regret. The, the regression police have gotten to James Conner, too. He won't have as oh, many yeah. touchdowns. Well, yeah, no kidding. He won't have as many touchdowns. <laughs> He's still probably about 12. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. enough for me. Uh, I just, I think, look, I understand the reasons you'd want Jefferson to have a cup, but I do think it's a little bit of shiny new toy syndrome, and we're trying to force something that's not there. When Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup, he had one, Matt, he had one game last year of less than 92 yards. Absurd. Think about that. Absurd. One game of less than night. It was like 60. It's like, okay. Like this, he had one of the, he had one of the greatest seasons in NFL history. And I don't mean greatest seasons for a receiver either. He had yeah. one of the greatest seasons in NFL history. He's our prime age. Stafford loves him. Stafford's elbow probably worries me more than anything yeah. about Cooper cup, but I don't even think Stafford, I think Stafford's elbow is now getting a little bit overblown. I, I bet That's I actually dra just drafted Stafford when he fell like a rock in one of my drafts. I think Cooper cup is locked and set it and forget it. You're fine. No regret. I, I would, if somebody took Cooper cup, number one, overall, I, I wouldn't even have that big of a problem with it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. Um, how about Allen Robinson? 54th overall wide receiver, 21 ADP. He's, he's obviously, you talk about helium guy. Right. He's come up a lot from where he was when like best ball drafts open, but I think he's even wide receiver 21. I've got him ranked at wide receiver 17. Like I'm, I'm higher on, on that ADP. I still think he's undervalued and look, I'm everybody knows I'm in the bag for Allen Robinson. I've been <laughs> in the bag for Allen Robinson for years, but man, I mean, he's, I think the fact like the, the notion that he was bad as an individual player last year, 
I don't think is truly correct. There was there was obviously he was played below his expectations. Normally there was certainly some some stuff going on there uh, off the you know with the front office. We know that probably didn't want to be with the Bears anymore. We know that wasn't as great on contested catches as he was last year. If my team wasn't giving me a long term contract, I wouldn't want to sacrifice my body for Justin Fields hospital balls either. Um, but I'm I think Robinson's still right in the prime of his career, great player, and walking into like a um, impossible to fail situation here as the Rams wide receiver too. I think he's going to be great. I think he's got, uh, he's going to be look. Robert Woods was a a viable guy till he got hurt. Like, I mean, he wasn't like, I I, I screwed up the cup to woods thing last year. I really did. But, but Woods was still fine. Like he was, and and Robinson's a better player. Like he's just straight up. But the problem I'm having, like you said, he's, Guys like you, thanks a lot, Matt. <laughs> talk this guy up so much that I can't get him anymore. He's he's going like you know I'm usually in a fourth when I'm I'm making a decision and I'm like maybe Allen Robinson slips to the fifth and then as soon as I draft another receiver there, Allen Robinson goes with the next pick. I go well, okay, well what can I do? Like I'm not getting. I got a little bit of him early in the best ball season, but none anymore because it it, it there uh, there does come a point where somebody loves Allen Robinson more than me and there's other receivers in that range that I'm I'm just taking over him. But I, I can see Allen Robinson smashing his, even his ADP. And, and I, of course, if Cup ever goes down. Right, he's going to go crazy. Oh, my goodness. It's off to the races with Allen Robinson. So, I, I yeah, you, you've really screwed up Allen Robinson for me. So, thanks a lot for that. I appreciate so, it. Sorry, pal. Um, but, I, I mean, I'll still say, like, the guys, in again, in consensus ADP, Two spots ahead of him, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown, 100% give me Allen Robinson over yes. those guys. You know, Jerry Judy, Gabe Davis, Amari Cooper, um, Chris go, go Godwin. Go ahead of that, because I've seen, like, I, I get that, but in the drafts I've done lately, go, go so who, who are some? Who are some, who are some, I'll, t- I'll tell you, uh, just in my, because I, like I said, I've got him at wide receiver 17. The the players that I have him, just, just ahead of him, are wide receiver 14, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Then I've got Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson at 18, and then Cortland Sutton at 19. Right. And see, I'm seeing him go, I uh, just look at one of the best balls I'm doing. I'm seeing basically the same grouping as McLaurin, Mike Williams, uh, Cortland Sutton. And I honestly like all three of those guys better than him. DJ Moore, too. I think DJ Moore is a little bit higher. 100%. Yeah. Me too. But I just took Mike Williams over Allen Robinson. Am I dumb? Like, I, I because I see Mike Will, I think, as you've talked about, Keenan's dropping. Like, he's not bad by any means but keenan allen's regressing a little bit i think mike williams takes over as a true number one there with a great mm. great quarterback this year yeah i'm aggressively drafting mike williams and i draft that's usually the decision i have in the fourth round if i draft mike williams there or mclaurin or you know even if something crazy happens like dj moore drops there then i'm missing out on Allen robinson but i take those guys ahead of Allen robinson as much as i do like a rob all right, I could sit here and talk Allen Robinson for another two hours, but let's move to the last team we have to preview here, <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, great, great, great move stacking like the two two of the best offenses, two of the best fantasy teams on one uh, preview episode here. Um, let's start with the boring part, I guess, the, the CEH discussion of this whole thing. CEH has kind of moved, at least for me in my rankings, from a post-dead zone running back to sort of firmly in the running back dead zone. I've got him at running back 21. I think the news that Ronald Jones has been like completely pushed aside is good news for CEH. Cause I don't think Pacheco who's a fine late round dart throw, whatever. I don't know if you, you think more than that, but I think he's like a fine late round dart throw. McKinnon's not a guy that's going to really, you know, mess this up too much, except on passing downs. Mm-hmm. See, we'll get to that. Okay. All right. No, let's, let's talk about it. Cause I think late like, last year, who was the guy who, who it was, was the guy that he retrusted late last year? It was Jerk McKinnon. When Jerk McKinnon's healthy, he's a good player. He he's really good, is. Yeah. Like he's a guy and he's free. He is right there. Like I, I can go outside my door right now and get Jerk McKinnon. Come on in, Jerk. He's right there. <laughs> nobody's Nobody's taking Jerk McKinnon. Yet Andy Reid tells us his usage last year, he was a big part of that Chiefs offense. And let's say let's say Ceh gets off to another slow start because I don't think he's a very good player. Again, we yeah, he's, a, he's I like fine. betting on good players. I don't think Ceh is a good player. Maybe it was like what did he have last year? It was appendectomy? It was something last the year. Gall, the gallbladder, surgery, gallbladder, gallbladder. Said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that screwed him up. He comes back, plays great this year. There's a range of outcomes where Ceh is a very good fantasy pick. I get that. I'm not going to take him, but if people who do, I don't laugh at him or anything. But I do wonder if he gets off to another slow start. I don't think it's Isaiah Pacheco. He's the shiny new toy. Everybody's always like, oh, Isaiah Pacheco. And maybe I don't I don't hate him as a late round, but he's not late round anymore. I've seen him go to crazy prices lately. Yeah, single digits. Nuts. So I'm pivoting to Jarek McKinnon because he's legitimately free. 
if I have a deep enough bench, I could stick him on there. And maybe by week three, four, we can get a few weeks out of Jerk McKinnon when he's healthy in a great offense as a very good pass catcher. I, I'm, I'm coming around and McKinnon is a value pick. I love that call because it's obviously against the grain right now with, um, you know, with Isaiah Pacheco really rising up. And at the end of the day, CEH is not like making your fantasy season. In a best case scenario, probably. he's maybe, maybe RB 15, maybe. I think, I think in a that's best probably case scenario. I think that's, I, I mean, man, yeah, it's hard for me to get him above that. Like even that's in that a, yeah. offense. Yeah. He's just, he's, yeah. It, it's, it just has, if it hasn't happened, God, they could have taken Jonathan Taylor. They could have taken shot. <laughs> yeah, you didn't watch any of that Wisconsin film, Andy. Come on. Um, the, no, I, I I agree that Ch is a he's a fine pick. I get every reason why somebody would pick him. I I, I won't do it really unless he, he falls to me. It wouldn't be a proactive pick. I, I'm not riding this Pacheco train. Hey, look, he could end up being a superstar. I don't know, but he's just kind of gotten out of hand a little bit with the buzz. So I've and I'm not saying Jerk McKinnon is one of my pet players or anything but last round of my draft if, if it's a deep draft sure i'll take a dart throw there love it yeah no i think that's kind of exactly how i feel about the backfield i don't think any of these guys are um as you say like proactive picks like the yeah, i'm definitely going after these guys at, at any point um ch has got to fall to the right spot that's for sure let's talk the receivers man this has been an interesting group i'll tell you how i view it and you can tell me if you, di- you disagree i think juju's still undervalued i i would take him you know t- like fringe top 24 wide receiver. I think he has a really high ceiling in his range of outcomes. If things go, go right. Um, Cause he's a great zone beating receiver. He's going to play that sort of, you know, flanker big slot role. We love that's the role he needs to play in. And then I think MVS is going to be better in real life than in fantasy, but he's going to be important to like lift the lid and stretch out the defense. Don't really care about McCole Hardman. I think Sky Moore is like maybe like this year's Amon Ross St. Brown, where you don't really want to be the one that drafts him you because he'll probably get dropped in the first few weeks when he's not run a lot of routes but then like second half of the season i could really see him being the guy who takes over the true number one receiver role in this offense i'm a, i think i'm a little higher on mvs than you i think okay. he can be uh, i mean I, I fall victim to this too often where i look at contracts and we've talked about this mvs got three years 30 million Juju got one year, 3.25 million. That tells you what the Kansas City Chiefs think about these two guys. Don't they? And I get it. We, we've talked about this where there's a lot of fake money in MVS and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I get that. But there was a statement that at least like we're what Juju goes seven rounds higher in MVS, maybe six yep. in that range. Like, I mean, it's a huge difference in ADP, whereas I don't necessarily think MVS is that much behind Juju? I get, I've come around to Juju. I, I look, Patrick Mahomes is a magician. He's going to get him the yeah. ball. He's going to have a lot of catches, a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. He's going to resurrect his career. No doubt about that. I get it. But I do think MVS is a little undervalued, and especially best ball, because he's going to have some oh, really yeah. nice spike weeks. Yeah, Mecole is totally dust to me. I, I will not draft Mecole at any point. Like, I just, it hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. Like, it's just not. Like, they, they've already let us know what they think of him. Sky Moore is a guy. Like you said, yeah, maybe mid, mid-season waiver wire, keep an eye on his usage or whatever. But, yeah, that that's kind of I, – I, we see the receiver room very similar. I probably just have MVS a little higher than you, I think. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, the weeks where MVS has big games, he's probably winning you that week. So, absolutely Correct. for best ball, love to draft Oh, he's going to have some 143 yards, two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's going to have a few of those games. He's a one-trick pony, but that – one trick is pretty damn cool, yeah. right? You know, and especially that quarterback. <laughs> exactly, that quarterback yeah. who likes to unleash it. Yeah, where 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 are you at on Mahomes? Have you dropped Mahomes? Like I have Mahomes about four. I do have Herbert and Lamar ahead of him, and it seems a little weird to have Mahomes even at four because he's so consistent. I got him at three, um, and I've got Allen and Lamar Jackson ahead of him, Lamar. but I do have him the top. So you take him over Herbert? That's interesting. Yeah, I I think so because. I don't think the weapons on this offense are that bad. And I also think this idea that like that the chiefs have to reinvent themselves. Like I think they already kind of started to reinvent themselves last year. Right. You know, Tyree kill his yards per target or his average at the target was pretty well dialed back. They had already started to kind of figure out how to work against zone coverage. They have, they like puked all over their shoes in the second half against the Bengals in the playoffs. But I think they've already kind of successfully figured out this identity shift. And I don't know, this is a little bit narrative man, but like, I just think Patrick Mahomes wants to come out here and like, you know, Tyreek Hill's done all this talking and, and, you know, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. Two is more accurate. Wow. Two is more accurate. They're Tyreke the same buddy. quarterback, but like, and you know, Mahomes is not like publicly fed into that quite in the same way. 
I think he just wants to come out here and like have a smash season. And he's just, I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL still. I mean, Herbert mm-hmm. might be, mm-hmm. might yep. be second. I think I'd still take Josh Allen a little bit overhead ahead of Justin Herbert, even though I love Justin Herbert, but I, I just think like best quarterback in the NFL, pretty good weapon. Still good proven offensive system. I, I'm still, I'm still ahead of, um, I'm still got Mahomes ahead of Herbert for those reasons. Yeah. And I get it. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I wouldn't spend the next hour arguing Herbert versus Mahomes because it's steak versus steak, right? Like, right. <laughs> do, you, do you like the filet or do you like the ribeye? I mean, I was just, I was literally like... just going to say that, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, it, it's if you draft Mahomes, if you draft Herbert, you're, you're going to get a set and forget quarterback one. Where, I, here, as long I, as you're I cooking, think... as long as you're cooking a medium rare. And then we're then we'll we'll be fine. I, I sometimes get the medium. I don't know. I've read some things. Anyway, where are you at on Kelsey? <laughs> Another I think Kelsey is very Kelsey is a guy I'm kind of aggressively avoiding because again, I've I've used the stat with at least with somebody, I think it was you, two tight ends in NFL history at age 33 or older have had thousand yard seasons. One was Pete Retzlaff for the Eagles in the 60s. One was Tony Gonzalez with the Falcons. That's the list. Two guys at 102 seasons of NFL football at tight end. Have had a thousand yard seasons after age thirty three. I'm not saying Kelsey won't have a thousand yards. He, I mean, he almost has to just yeah. based on the volume. But I, I'm, it just if he if he drops just a little bit, he's not worth that. You got draft him probably first round, and and pretty much every draft I'm in, he's a first rounder, and I just can't, I, I just can't, I just won't do it with Kelsey. Thirteenth overall consensus ADP, clear cut tight end one. Not to me though. I've got I've got Mark Andrews ahead of ahead of wow, Travis okay. Kelsey. So you're kind of with me on this one, okay? Yeah, Dalton. Because if you have Andrews thrower. ahead of Kelsey, you're never getting Kelsey. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. never going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love Kelsey as a player, and I love the opportunity. And he could. I, I think the, the record for targets in a season is Zach Ertz with 150, and Kelsey could smash that. I, I mean, because why wouldn't Patrick Mahomes load him up? But uh, you know, Hayden Winks over over at Underdog. Uh, you know. Uh, He's talked about how the playing time for Kelsey is kind of dropping a little bit. And I could see he has talked about, I, I think I get on board with this, of maybe they're going to save him a little bit. Like, they know he's 33. He's Is he going to be a 98% snap guy in a regular season? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe because the AC West is so tough. But I could at least see paths where Kelsey's good but not great, and he needs to be great to have that 13 ADP payoff. 100%, yeah. Like, if I'm going to rank him at tight end two, I'm already saying like he, he could finish a tight end two. I don't want to take him in the first round. Pretty much like that's the, that's the take right there. And yeah, he's 33. I think he'll get the targets. I think he'll get over a thousand yards. Like you said, Tony Gonzalez is one of those guys. Travis Kelsey's probably, you know, in Tony Gonzalez's range in terms of all time. Yeah. 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 uh, Kelsey's great. Don't get me wrong. Kelsey's going to get a thousand yards. He's going to have a good season. Like you said, he could be tight end two. Okay. That's phenomenal. That's a great season. He's not going to pay off at your ADP though exactly yeah and he is the one proven commodity like with chemistry with Patrick Mahomes in this offense so that does say something but he's I do think he's a slightly declining he's 33 he's a slightly declining player I think that's fair to say he can't like he's not as fast as he used to be he's his numbers against man coverage have declined you know from a yards per route run standpoint I, I don't that don't always agree that that's like reflective on the player or whatever but it would make sense that they can't really have him be like a wide receiver, wide receiver type of tight end. And he's just more of, right. he's going to beat more. And, zone it's, not, and it's not, again, it's not Kelsey's bad. It's I'd have to draft Kelsey ahead of Stefan Diggs. <laughs> I'm not doing, yeah, no. yeah. It's no, I just can't. I'll, I'll draft Stefan Diggs and go get David and Joku an hour and a half later, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent agree. All right, Frank, uh, that is going to do it for us. I feel like we talked about an absolute, ton of players on this show so this was a meaty one a lot of a lot of stuff Loved we covered it. we went I all the way from isaiah are. likely at the beginning to travis <laughs> kelsey, at, kelsey the at the end, end. we'll end up talking about yeah we'll, we'll get through all the john mackey we'll, we'll we'll just keep going to just talk through all the tight ends in history we'll go oh my god what a show that would be but uh <laughs> we'll save that for a different podcast that is going to do it for us today Please make sure you're following Frank on Twitter at Yahoo Schwab. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And of course while you're there Give a follow to uh, our, our social team at Yahoo Fantasy. Leave us a five-star rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That would be super helpful to all of us. Uh, that's gonna ha- that's gonna ha- that's gonna be how me and Frank get to that um, eight million dollar salary, like yes, our old friend Charles Robinson. Yeah, there, I'm gonna get that uh, Kirk contract, man. Let's go. Oh, let's go, baby! All right, I'll be back on Monday with Scott Pienowski. We're gonna do our usual preseason roundup and preview. Oh, the 2022 Cowboys. A lot of doom and gloom going on with the 2022 Cowboys. So we will see you then. Until then, we're out.
Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.